out. I mean, that the store just the storm wasn't quite there yet. So I was glad that she was finally because I think got um that that was supposed to happen in 2020, but that that whole tour got canceled uh, yeah. because of COVID. Yeah, it's it's funny that you look back at like um you know Woodstock and how much rain uh, they got you know back in the 60s. And they still rocked on for three days, man. It's crazy. Like now, you know, like if it was back then, you know, Bonnaroo would still go on. They, they, they wouldn't even care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I mean, not that gear was less expensive back then, but now it's, especially with, I feel like, uh, I, I mean, you got the gear problem. And then also people are just a little bit more heightened right now with, with the whole COVID thing. Uh just trying to take precautions. Actually, it's pretty cool. My wife said that in they had multiple rapid testing stations at Meriwether. Uh, so if you came and didn't have a, a, a vaccine card and you didn't have your COVID, uh, like within a 72-hour code, you could go to the, the rapid and then go in. And they even had like two vaccine testings, uh, not testing, but vaccine uh, um that I can't think of the right word right now, giving the vaccine mm -hmm. stations as well. So it seemed that Meriwether was doing a lot to like, hey, we don't want you to miss the show and let's provide services so you can see. That was, that, that was I thought that was pretty cool and encouraging. There yeah. was a couple of shows. There was like this punk show that was saying, um, if you're vaccinated, you can provide your vaccination card. <clears throat> the show's like 10 bucks. And these guys have like a big cult following. So everybody wanted to really see these guys. But if you were not vaccinated, tickets were like $1,000. And they were trying to really push, you know, vaccinations. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody paid $1,000 to see these guys. I think. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't but, mean. But, you know, that was, that was just like their general attempt. $1,000 to see them or go get a free vaccine. Go, go get a free go get a free vaccine and come back and spend 10 bucks right i mean listen hey <laughs> it probably then there's that psychology it probably did work yeah it might have depending so, on how hardcore of a fan you were for that band and 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 you know i, I haven't heard the bands i i'm not much of a metal head or a punk head so but you know speaking of woodstock there's a series on hbo the music box on uh it's a series of feature length documentaries so the, the first one was woodstock 99 mm -hmm. where like they they tore the place down and it was like just mass hysteria and chaos and destruction and fights and inappropriate behavior towards women <laughs> to say the least i mean because you know people were guys were grabbing the girls body parts while they were uh crowd surfing and uh um so, I mean, you know, like Woodstock 94 still had, you know, cranberries and, uh, uh, you know, modern, soft, modern rock. And it was kind of close to what Woodstock, Woodstock 69 was. And then Woodstock 99's lineup was Limp Biscuit, Corn, Slipknot, <laughs> fucking <laughs> DMX, sounds... Cypress Hill. Uh, yeah. And um, not the same vibe. Not the same vibe at all. Like that's that's uh, Lollapalooza. That's uh, H the Festival or something. Like what yeah. were you talking about? What, what were we talking about, Chris? Uh, 
well, we were talking about a Tibetan Freedom Concert, 1998. There you go, Tibetan Freedom Concert, which is just headlined by Rage. It's just Rage, really. Nobody else. Maybe no, some. no, no. <laughs> Tibetan, Tibetan Freedom Concert, like their lineup was ridiculous. You know, they had it had such a wide because I went to that show in '98, and they had such a wide variety of of artists. They had Dave Matthews Band. They had a wide what? They had uh, a wide variety. <laughs> variety, <laughs> variety of artists. You know, they had Dave Matthews Band. Herbie you got to have a good mind. Hunters. You got to have a good mic, and you got to know how to speak in that mic on my show, boy. <laughs> but, all right, so all I right, mean, right, I'm I'm busting your chops, but D- Dave Matthews Band. Yeah, Dave Matthews Band, Herbie Hancock and the Headhunters. They had KRS-One, Beastie Boys, Tribe yeah. Called Quest, like the Blues Travelers. Like the lineup was just insane, and it was two days, so there was like 150 thousand people there. But see, that kind of sounds like the lineup that Woodstock '99 should have had. Yeah. Think about that. Blues Traveler. Dave. Yeah, okay, well, Dave Matthews was at Woodstock 99. Dave Matthews was there. Offspring was another Woodstock 99. I mean, like, you know, punk. I guess, you know, Offspring, by the time 99 came around, they were kind of like pop punk-ish. Well, I guess the other thing about, too, is that, I mean, Woodstock, uh, the original one, the the caliber of people that went to that were different than what we have now yeah. with just society and morals. But then also what happens is that, you know, all these people that were original Woodstock, they're like, Oh yeah, man, it was crazy. And they tell stories. And the funny thing is like, some of those stories might be true. Some of those stories might be a little bit, um, uh, indulged or, um, I'm losing my vocabulary. I can't think of like, uh, we just made, today. yeah it's losing my words but just indulge and made bigger than than what they actually were and you have these generations of people after that that have heard these stories so then they think oh my gosh by the time that they go to like let's just say woodstock 99 they're like well it's a freaking free-for-all drug fest orgy and then because they've heard these stories from previously whether it was or wasn't don't know but it's just it's just been hyped 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 to the point where and that's probably only like maybe five ten people were like really orgying it out back in 69 and probably only five or ten people were really orgying it out back in 94 so really good huh they're a bunch of hippies too typically they they, they're were versus you know i don't know totally different totally different lifestyle in 69 versus 99 Exactly. And totally different music style, lifestyle and music style. But also, I mean, like you're going to take the one and two extravagant, extraordinary stories and make that the idea behind. Exactly. Woodstock 69, Woodstock 94. And now these freaking 18 year old, these 18 year old kids are going in there, losing their minds, getting drunk. Like there were so many people hospitalized before the first set ever went on because they just went in there, got shit-wasted, drunk well, high. I mean, also the caliber. Think about how, so 69, 99, 30 years. Think of the caliber of drugs that were back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what we have now. I mean, uh, I mean, weed has pretty much stayed the same 
but there are different strains that are maybe a little bit more potent, but roughly because it's a natural, unless they're splicing it with something, or I should say lacing it with something, um, it's pretty much normal. But your Coke has gotten stronger, your heroin with your fentanyl, which is synthetic, and your car fentanyl is like extremely uh, dangerous. Um, and uh, you got your Molly, you got your E now, like all these synthetic drugs yeah. that are around now, which back then they had, I think they had acid and they had weed. They also had 69. And, and, yeah. mushroom, and mushrooms. Yeah, they had mushrooms. Shrooms, LSD, weed. Pretty much. Maybe, maybe Coke. Maybe Coke and maybe, maybe, a, maybe, maybe a little heroin. bit of heroin. But like we're talking about like baseline stuff. We're not talking about fentanyl. Or car fentanyl, or, or meth, or meth, or your Molly, or your or your E, all these other drugs, yeah, that are you you could I mean you could roll in uh, into a, a, a you know ninety nine and get a bad E tablet or whatever. We boat uh, was that boat? No. Uh, oh, you mean uh, you mean Gator? Boat. Or or gator uh, weed laced with PCP. Uh, yeah, um, what was uh, what was that thing that was, I don't know if it's called? Well, there is gator, but there was that other thing that was down in Florida for a little bit that you just start eating people's faces. Forget uh, what it was. Bath salts. Bath yeah, salts. bath salts. Yeah, I don't I think mean, bath just, salts. Was, I don't even think bath salts was a thing in '99. It probably but, wasn't, but, but, no, but, no, but still, no. definitely, definitely everything else we mentioned. I mean, like 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 ket ketamine was around right. was. back, back special, then. Special that K, was. yeah, yeah. A lot of people that were was. doing special K because that that blew up for a little bit. So I mean, just think about like all that stuff that was in that that was in '99 versus '69, and no wonder you're getting because uh, you you still you're getting that those stories and that mentality that it's a free for all and you're going crazy and you go crazy, but the it's like going crazy in 69 was you jumping off of a 30-foot cliff into a big old pool of water. Right. Going crazy in 99 is you jumping out of an airplane without a parachute. Yeah. I think they only had one one <laughs> confirmed death at, at 69. No, was, they that, had more. That was no, because they, you know, maybe it was, it was a low number. It was a very low number. But it was a low number. Because I know one confirmed death, a guy was sleeping in a sleeping bag. And there was a, and he, he was underneath of a trash truck, and the trash truck there was so much debris, he didn't see him, and he ran him over. Oof. While the guy was sleeping. Yeah. But they didn't have. I'm sure they didn't have as many, you know, drug overdoses as they as they did in '99 per se. You know, because yeah. just like you said, um, you know, all the different drugs and stuff. Yeah. The difference between '69 and '99. And you also have the, the, the alcohol overdoses as well that you got to think yeah. of, you know, Shit. and especially in the in the heat, you know, not being properly hydrated. Mm -hmm. um, but another uh, one thing that happened in 69, though, they didn't have it. They didn't prepare for all the people that came because it ended up being like pretty much like a free concert. So they were running out of supplies and you mentioned running, run, running out of water, running out of food was a major problem in, in 1969 because they were just unprepared for the amount of people that showed up. And that was the thing that they did with 99, which then kind of altered the mindset of Woodstock 99. So there was this abandoned Air Force base somewhere in upstate New York. That's where they held 99 at. Um, 
94 was held on another farm and still people were jumping fences and breaking through fences. This abandoned Air Force base already had the fence line, already had the peace wall, already had the Constantino wire and the barbed wire. There was only uh, a north gate and a south gate that they could get into that was, if you've ever been to a military installation, it was a military gate. So yeah. there was no, so the, the founders, uh, the, I wish I, I can't remember his name, but he, he was there in 69 and he was there in 94. They were like, this is perfect. We're not going to lose any money. But here you are. You got this huge military base. These people are trapped in. Not really trapped in, but 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 it had this mindset of it's not peace. It's not a farm. It's not flowers. It's a goddamn Air Force base. So it's more not really Woodstock. It's more like, you know, metalhead stock. Rap metal, bang your head, blow shit up kind of yeah palooza and not uh not you know like woodstock both 1969 and 94 were on farms open you know open land ish mm -hmm. free grazing that was the mentality of, of 69 and even 94 you know with a uh, freaking cranberries and uh you know remember the days of cranberries that kind of modern rock that soft sarah mclaughlin i mean there was a lot of female lineups on 94's uh, show. Yeah, I feel, I feel like more toward the end of uh, the 90s, you know, it was more into like that that hard rock, that like Slipknot, um, Rage Against the Machine. Metal came back, rap metal. No, and then and then Rage Against the Machine did, went on tour with Wu-Tang Clan, which was like epic. They did that in, in 97. Yeah. I know that they did a show at Merriweather back then when they're, when they toured together. Because they're talking about touring again, yeah. You know, in modern day, you know, from when they toured in '97 to, but that was before COVID. They were talking about that getting together and doing a Rage Wu Tang tour again. COVID, man. COVID. So, oh, COVID. So we were talking. So Johnny, Chris, we we're talking a little bit offline. Um, Johnny, your YouTube channel, Bug Out Boys. Um, yeah. And, uh, and and some of your and your production structure. So uh, let, let's go over that. Tell, tell me a little bit more about that again. Let's go a little bit in depth on, on um, where your show's at now and and what you were telling me a little offline made a lot of sense about how you were kind of going, you know, hand to mouth on episodes and whatnot. Oh yeah. So um, when I originally started um, Bug Out Boys, uh, I was going out filming and then releasing pretty pretty quickly uh the content and i have actually i have this big calendar like right here it's and i would have to you know mark off when i'm going out uh to do an episode when am i filming a review or a bot or the subsequent other smaller videos that i decide to make to kind of like because uh, i'd only release an episode where i'd go out into the wilderness uh, once a month, and then I have these tinier videos to kind of like keep engaging uh, the fans. And it really was uh, almost a hand-to-mouth situation where, you know, I got to get out there. I got to film, and I got to do this. I got to film this because, oh, I got a, I got a video that I need to release on this date. I got a video that I need to release on this date. And when... Uh, oddly enough, when I was a single guy, 
Dallas pretty it, it was pretty easy, but if I got sick or if one of my guests that were coming on uh, the show got sick or there was a scheduling conflict, well then I was like there there was an I was you know put in a bind. Yeah. And then getting married, having a family, uh, COVID, things like that, uh, started putting a, a, a more stress on that. So I decided because of COVID and when they sh- shut down the, the, a lot of the state forests and the state parks, which I thought was strange that, you know, there's, there's nobody out there, but I can't go in there. But another, another issue, another story. Um, I decided that once things started opening up, I would then go out and uh, film more content, but I would save it. And I'm trying to build up basically a, a full season of episodes and reviews and bots and, and uh, tutorials and things like that. That way, I'm not sure if I'll have enough for, uh, let's see here, uh, for, for 2022, but the idea that I'll have a buffer. All right. So if I do get sick, or if there's some sort of emergency, like um, uh, like like my cat getting sick, <laughs> which is happening now, um, I'm not pressured as much mm-hmm. to to get those out. And I I know, and it's funny because I, I I know that TV shows, uh, movies, you know, other shows do this. I mean, they have a huge backlog usually oh, yeah. of episodes and such, so they they have that buffer. And I think I. I have one, four, maybe five seasons of Bug Out Boys. Uh, so I did that for like three, four years before I was like, yeah, I'm going to take a, a wee break. And so far, like I said earlier, the fans um, have been pretty accepting of it. They, you know, they do want content. Um, I have lost some subscribers, not that many, uh, but their understanding i try and give them an update on what's going in my life i mean i think covid everybody sort of understands that um and then uh, uh having uh, a family as well now um so that's where that's at right now um yeah. i got a well, new oh, go that, ahead well no that word buffer like you were saying me and chris have been trying to do like web series here and there and we've been experimenting with different types of shows different type of web series and my my goal was to always have be, be like a couple months scheduled out yeah you know? so like you know a, a a big budget big show big hollywood example is walking dead when the say season eight of the walking dead's out mm-hmm. they're shooting season nine yeah exactly then they take a break mm-hmm. and six months later season nine comes out yeah they probably they probably shoot for six months they're off for six months. When they're off <clears throat> for six months, by the time they get back to shooting season 10 is when season nine is releasing. Season nine, episode one. Yeah. Next week is episode two. And there's that buffer. Now that's that big money, big studio, big Hollywood studio, big television, broadcast television production schedule that they can adhere to. And if an actor gets sick or if an actor quits or if an actor tweets something stupid, <laughs> they can fire them, they can kick them, they can recast right. them, so on, and they're right smack dab. They're they're still steady. Now, you know, me, Chris, uh, Durko, 
a couple of the guys, we had day jobs. We had rent to pay. So it's like a day job and then at night or on weekends shooting a music video or shooting. We had a technological web series or, or we had that technological podcast. Or we had the Zombie Squad web series, which like documented our vacations, our trips, mm-hmm. our our gigs, um, everything in inside, out, and all around. And it was like, okay, my schedule, my release schedule will be Tuesdays and Thursdays and get that scheduled out months in advance. And there was a point where I just had an episode, I had episodes scheduled every Tuesday and Thursday for six months. But then something would happen like getting married and going on a honeymoon or getting deployed or something. And then the episodes dry up and then it's six months of nothing. Yeah. And so then during, so, and that happened during quarantine. And so as those episodes, as I started seeing the end of those episodes, me and Chris, we, Hey, we decided let's do this podcast and reach out to you and reach out to each other and reach out to everybody else whose shit is drying (laughs) up. Just talk about the old gigs. Talk about like, what we're doing trapped in our basements, talk about what our plan is. That was the whole idea behind this podcast. And then those episodes started turning up and then something would happen. <laughs> yeah. Even yeah. With, even as simple as you might think producing this is, and technically it is, but <clears throat> shit. I mean, we, ha- we were supposed to have Taj on today. There's a goddamn thunderstorm in Charles County, Maryland, and he's got to right. go hunker down in the basement. He can't, <laughs> be, on, he can't be on Zoom. <laughs> right. So it's well, always... It's- it's it's crazy because I mean, exactly like and it's tough to try and stay ahead of that and then yeah. also what happened to me um, was that so before COVID I had a day job I was a server and then Bug Out Boys was you know when I uh, 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 you know weekends or whatever I had free time from that and I also had my my violin gigs my band gigs when COVID happened serving went away. And I wanted to still try and first I wanted to get out of serving completely. Um, I wanted to be fully music, but then I, I put my shingle out as an editor, a video editor. Mm -hmm. And by golly, I started getting clients. And once, um, that started picking up, I, I have now, I have so many clients that I'm editing their content that I never went back to serving after COVID. So now I'm strictly music and editing. And it's one of those things that the editing has become so prolific, other people's, that I barely have time to go. I mean, I, I can I can take off whenever I want to because I am my own boss. But at the same time, I'll, I'll spend four or six hours in front of the computer editing. And then I'm like, ah, oh, man, I got I to gotta edit that, that one Bug Out Boy episode. And all you want to do is walk away from the computer because you've already put a bunch of hours in in front of the yeah. computer. Uh, so it's kind of funny, like the thing, the the freedom that I thought I was going to have by becoming a, a freelance editor and uh, a, a, mu- a musician has sort of, I have the freedom to go, but then I always am coming back to a lot of work. <laughs> right. that's, that's, that's paying the bills. Yeah. But at least... But, but it's work that you've created. It is. It is. Uh, I mean, my client base has gone. I had one client. And then in the first year, I went to five. And now I'm up to 16 in the second year. So it's it's growing exponentially, which is great. I love it. Um, and it's, it's providing for my family. And it's great to be my own boss. Though it is 
causing a little bit of difficulties with um with getting back out there and and doing the bug out boys so I, i'm still in the lifestyle i'm yeah. still that's i'm still doing those things it's just getting out there getting the my own content because it's one of those things I, I love bug out boys it's a passion i would love it to make me money um but the actual freelance editing and the bands are what's making the money and you kind of yeah. have to prioritize that and it's tricky but it's i guess it's it's one of those adulting things that yeah. we got we got to do <laughs> adulting and you know going back to like sitting in front of that computer and editing like i'm good at it but i freaking hate it so my my goal was to make this podcast at least turnkey mm -hmm. you know take take the take the live shots all the graphics are there all the all the picture and pictures are there all the overlays are there the, the, the audio's there, uh, the signal's there, and just hit record, start and stop. Get people, like, I want the, I wanted the hardest thing to be was getting everybody on Zoom at the same time. And then just hit record, chat for a couple hours, hit stop, upload to YouTube. Because right. I, I want to say like the first 20 or 30 episodes of this podcast was just done having recorded within Zoom take that video file, put it in Final Cut, duplicate it, crop this, crop that, move this, graphic this, lower thirds, lower thirds, render, export, compress. And it would, it would take a day and a half for one podcast where I was like, I want to be at the level where I'm doing two of these a day. And that's, and that's another going, you know, going back to that buffer, going back to that scheduling thing not going hand to hand to mouth with each episode, but having being able to do two a day every other day yeah, for maybe three days a week, that's six episodes, but I'm only going to release four a week. So now, now I've got two for next week yeah. and you start doing that math and you start compounding, you know, that percentage, then it's like, I'm, I'm three months out. Yeah. It's a way and, of budgeting in time that you can take a vacation. Yeah. And not feel like you're going to be pressured once you come back. And, and mm -hmm. I mean, that takes a lot of time and, and uh, I guess, uh, diligence on our own parts as freelancers or as, you know, um, homegrown things that we're trying to do to do that. Because um, it's, it's, I mean, to me, I get so excited um, about when I get a Bug Out Boy video done. And I just want to share it. I mean, I just want to share it with the world. And it's like, no, no way. Yeah. Way, you know um it's tricky no one ever no one ever tells you about that when you when you're trying to do video or audio stuff that uh build yourself a buffer yeah because if you have something coming out every day for <coughs> seven days a week and then you got nothing for months and it's like you kind of have to trick you have to like kind of trick your audience into the uh anticipation yeah. I watched this one guy. He's a streamer, um, Stone Mountain 64. Uh, he's a video guy. He's a video game streamer. And I think it's insane because he'll, he'll go live. He goes live every weekday. Uh, and he's usually live for four to seven hours streaming. And then I would say that's on a Wednesday or no, every day. And I, I, I think later that week, 
someone, it's not him, and I think he has another editor, has gone in and made subsequent smaller videos of that stream. Highlights. Yeah, highlights or things like that. And we're talking about, like, they'll do, like, his little, he'll be down here in this corner, and then when he does a funny expression, they'll blow it up real big, and then it'll go Mm -hmm. back down. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And I'm thinking to myself, like, man, like, like, so much content, and you're and you're just cranking this around. I I think he has at least one editor besides he himself. To. He has to. I know he has one. He may even have two at this point to to keep up with that. And sometimes he even is saying like somehow he's when he's streaming live. I think somehow he's sending that to his editor in real time that the that he I don't know how he's doing it, but it, it sounds like sometimes he's able to send stuff to his editor while he's still streaming. And to to just get that turnaround and it's nuts. I I don't know how he's doing it. I uh, I don't care. It, it doesn't work because I'm not a streamer. But well, it's just you so what you can do, I mean technically what you can do is you so he's live streaming to YouTube. And then after you're done with your stream, YouTube needs to process. I don't know for how long, maybe 12 hours. And then you can Facebook, Facebook live. Oh, he's doing that to Facebook live. Okay. Yeah. I don't think he's doing the YouTube. He's Facebook. I mean, again, I don't know. I don't know how, so if they share the login, you can download your video. That must be what it's, what's happening. And then that person. And, and so someone needs to be watching it or someone has to watch it. Or unless he's somehow doing, unless he's somehow clicking a time code. Maybe. I mean, Pull there's, that. Also, there's also like, isn't uh, my, my buddy Jared, when he does a live stream and he has multiple cameras going, I know that this is when you like broadcast, you can switch from, that's how, you know, you get this really great news channel broadcast. So they switch from cameras on the flies. So again, I don't know how he, how they're doing Jared it. Now? Yeah. Yeah, I had Jared Noah on here. And I do that. <clears throat> I do live streams of like conferences and events and concerts and seminars and, and whatever. And uh, yeah, it's so. It's cool stuff. It's cool stuff. But at the, see, if, see, this guy's streaming his gameplay. So he yeah. needs to have some sort of clicker to a time code, to mark a time code, right? Yes. But if Jared's directing, Jared could just, like, even with this, like, we, we, we talked about something funny. I could jot down, all right. 30 minutes, 53 seconds. And I've done that. You know, like something's happened on the show. I've had to cut it out because you can, you can splice things out on YouTube. So I upload this to YouTube and I, and, and I don't release, I, and I can even schedule it for a date in a week, but I'll remember the next day. Once YouTube has processed it, I got to go to minute 21.52 and splice out a minute. I got to go to minute 31.18 and splice out a minute. And you can do that on YouTube in the editor but he's yeah. gaming. He's gaming, so he's got to be able to like. Maybe he has a pedal and he kicks like a time code. Yeah, I'm not he, sure. has a, he has a clicker because let's go to let's go to Joe Rogan for example. Joe, the Joe Rogan has his three hour long podcast, but then yeah. on the same channel are the snippets. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, Joe Rogan talks about Donald Trump's tweet, right? Right. And that's only a five-minute part of a three-hour. So maybe his boy Jamie is in the in, behind the scenes, <clears throat> jotting notes. 
you see those highlights a week or two after that three hour episode came out with him and Elon Musk. You see the highlight from that episode like a week or two later because Jamie's probably just splicing out segments, sections. That's of the... probably what his editor is doing. Off who, like off. Who's got time for who's got time for editors, man? Who's got money for editors? <laughs> I mean, clearly he does. I mean, because he, he at least has one, if not two other editors that, that are doing this. Because he was talking about that when he was doing it solo. Um, he was just constantly, and, and he said, he got to the point where he's like, I need to make enough money to pay for an editor because I'm not spending any time with uh, his family. He's like, I'm just constantly, I'm either gaming or editing. That's right. that's it. And But I mean, I've, I've, I mean, he's got a ton of supporters on, on Facebook, you know, with the little star things or whatever. And, but it's taken him a while to, to build it. And that's, uh, it's cool. Yeah. It's I just mean, crazy. It's just like, you could, nowadays, this whole YouTube thing, social media, social media marketing, uh, viral video is a thing. Like that, I don't know if it's being taught in film schools, but couldn't you, couldn't you sign off on a couple of credits to a to a film student editor for like an independent study, you know? Oh, yeah, that's true. Or an internship, probably. You probably, probably get away with it. Internship would probably be the the best option, you know, to get that person some experience and. Getting, it would getting... probably be an independent study at this point, where YouTube and where like podcasting is. It could be an internship, but I've done like, for example, at Towson specifically i did a 15 minute short film as an independent study which got me three credits and you can only do so many independent studies but every semester i could just reach out to towson hey look i'm looking for an editor i'll give you credit on an independent study you talk to your professor you talk to the the dean of the the film department mm -hmm. and 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 you just tell me how many credits you're able to get how many hours do you need i've got shit for you to cut you know what i'm saying I mean, at this point, we're we're about a year and a half into Zombie Squadcast, so I mean, trying to trying to have somebody go back to episode one and look for a highlight. Yeah, and there's a lot there's a lot of times me and Chris are just sitting here. I don't think there there could be some highlights, but I think you know with some of these guests, I mean, we we start getting you know and having some really good conversations. There probably could be some highlight potential there. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because I know, like I've listened to. Uh, the Joe Rogan experience and um, like I just want to hear like his perspective on like say a certain fighter you know because that's what you know Joe Rogan they do that. Joe Rogan is very knowledgeable oh yeah on different um, um, mixed martial arts yeah fighters kicks. yeah and to touch upon that the Joe Rogan experience has his MMA episodes specific MMA episodes yeah. and he'll have a former fighter and he'll have a fellow commentator, and there's always three of them doing their MMA like, episode. Like Brandon Schwab was on there a lot, right. and they talk oh, yeah. about, uh, they, they talk about like BJ Penn, you know, was like one of the episodes, and they would just, you know, talk about him for about 15 or 20 minutes or so, but, you know, if all I, all I do is go on YouTube and click, you know, Joe Rogan, uh, BJ Penn, you know, that episode comes up with, with Brandon Schwab, and that's what they're they're talking about on that episode. So, I think we could definitely pull that off and take, you know, some of the. But who's going to do that? Some of the guests. Who's going to do that? And cut that off. Who, who's going to go back and watch 
all these episodes, I mean, all these episodes range from 45 minutes. I think I've had two hour episodes. Now that we're doing this four way round table thing, right? With, with, with four guests. I mean, the last time we did it with, uh, with Ali and, uh, oh, geez, Rob and you and me. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan, and Ali, Ryan, 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 Scott Thomas, Ali chef. And then the two of us, that was a good, that was a good two hours. That was a solid two hour episode. But from the, I, I don't know when Joe Rogan started with the highlights. It probably wasn't until like episode 500 or 600 when he, when he got his buddy Jamie to co-produce his show with him because the show started becoming a hit. But like with this streamer, this gaming streamer Johnny's talking about, when did he start getting those highlights? When did those start coming out? Was it, it wasn't from episode one. It had Most likely been, not. Yeah. So I, I mean, mean that's, I, that's something we could start looking into now. You also got that uh, thing. I don't know if you've seen it. That um, seen some uh, maybe YouTube, but I've definitely seen some videos where on the track bar or the scroll bar, uh, they'll have like little little bars, and mm-hmm. if you put your mouse over them, it'll be like it'll say, um, it'll, it'll just say the Trump tweet. So you know, like this is where. So if you if you're watching a, like a two hour or four hour long podcast but you really want to know about the Trump tweet or let's just, or the fighting or COVID or whatever, you can, you can hover over it. And you're like, oh. chapters. Yeah. They're like chapters. Who's going in- to go back. So now who's oh, going to go back. Who's going to be sectioning off the pocket. So that's a whole nother thing now is the chapters. You're absolutely right. I've seen that. That's, I think that's kind of cool because you'll, you'll, you'll want to watch this video, but you don't want to have to scroll through all two hours of to find that moment. And right. so there's just a little um, thing, little bar that if you hover over it, it says, you know, chapter one or whatever. Or And I think that's pretty cool. That might be a little bit easier because like you said, you can just like look down and be like, all right, at, at you know, one 153 or whatever uh, time uh, time mark, this is when I, you know, cause you're like, all right, well guys, let's talk about um, the industry right now being a basement podcaster and you look and you tap that you know make a note of it so that when people look at this video they're like oh this is when these guys start talking about this because you're you know you're more or less you're like the director you're you're the one guiding ish yeah well well for this hell i'm like the host the producer the director yeah you're everything the 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 live editor star you're the star I'm, i'm trying i'm trying to book guess i have i gotta send out reminders the day before we guess i gotta i gotta spam the hell out of linkedin to get new guests then i gotta go back and try to schedule previous guests for the four-way round table i ain't got ain't got time for that i gotta hire i gotta i gotta i gotta i gotta get get a student from towson to be like that's right i think jared does that too i think uh with um over at the uh, state theater that he has i think i think he either gets students from towson or from harford county community college that you'll bring them in for um, internships for whether it be uh, broadcast or, or editing or even audio because he's got an audio suite over there. So I think that's how he kind of gets around crunch, uh, cranking out all that content as quickly as he can. That's that's gonna have to be it. I'm just gonna have to do that. Yeah, I've been. Point. Yeah, I'm, I've been with my own freelance editing. I'm thinking like, at what point. 
do I start looking for a second editor for my company? And because of just how many hours I'm spending in front of the computer and the amount, like where, where is that level of clients to, I guess, time in front of a computer or pay scale that you're like, okay, I can afford that second editor so then you can produce more faster and then subsequently you'll probably get more client like and then figuring you hire a third you gotta hire a fourth right next, and then next thing you know you're not the editor you're like you're just you're the ceo well that's that i mean that, i mean you're, you're like subcontracting work <laughs> right well i mean at that, that point with you're, sub, way, you're subbing out work at that point but they would all be underneath my brand of this is my my editing company, so it's my production company. Mm -hmm. And and ultimately, if you think about it, um, as this is sort of like fell into my lap um, by putting out my low shingle, that is the ultimate goal because you don't want to, I mean, I'll still always edit, but I don't want to edit eight hours a day, every right. day. Yeah. If I can do four or two every other day while my other editors are doing work they're getting paid but then i'm getting paid I mean, that's the ultimate sort of goal because i'm uh with even with my music um i uh, i've um i've been very fortunate that i have a gig if not two or three gigs every weekend of every month and i'm already getting booked for next year but then i just kind of sat down and i thought to myself well I'll never be a Rolling Stone. Whereas, you know, he does one gig or he does a few gigs, the Rolling Stones, and, you know, they make tons of money from a, from a show. And so they don't have to do a lot of them. And like, but do I want to be a 58 or they're, they're now up in their sixties and seventies now old guy in a bar playing with my guitarist or with my whole band every weekend uh do i do i want to be that and the answer is no i want to i want to be able to have my weekends to spend with friends and, and with family so how do i accomplish that and like what's my retirement plan as being a professional musician right subsequently i've 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 started creating the editing whether it be bug out boys or also being um, a freelancer so now how do i um make that my retirement plan from music and then subsequently how do i make that retirement plan from editing that i am the ceo like you said chris you know i am the the guy that i got to check in on my employees and make sure they're doing well and they're and they're doing right but now i have that freedom to spend time with my family yeah, yeah. as you growing i mean that's, and that, and that's the overall like that's the overall goal for, for everybody is, you know, to have a, a healthy retirement, you know, that's a, the, the ultimate goal, you know, cause a lot of people, you know, spend their entire lives just, just working and being overworked. And then, so by the time they can actually enjoy retirement, it's like some of it is short lived. Like I know guys that, that retired, you know, and, and, you know, died five years later after they retired, you know, you want to, enjoy a, a healthy long retirement you know while you're, while, you're, while you're still healthy like you don't want to be say you're you're 70 years old 
And you and just, just and, and, and you just retired. And just retiring. And say you've been working since you were 18 years old. You know, that's more than half your life that you've been working. Mm-hmm. And you finally get a chance to retire at 70. Exactly. You know, and like, then how much time have you missed from family or friends or you've really wanted to see uh, travel? You really wanted to travel and now you can't climb Mount Kilimanjaro or Mount Fuji because you just don't have the body to do it anymore. Right. Um, so that's where I'm looking at my, my music and my Mm -hmm. editing and as this progresses forward and like you guys are saying, you know, with your podcasts and stuff like that, you want to still be involved in them. You still want to do them, but how can you, um, how can you expand on it? So, you know, you're not stressing out about, uh, the episodes and then also, you're still being able to bring in an income while still being able to enjoy life um, in, in, you know, down the road. Yeah. And, you know, touching upon what you said earlier, COVID gave you the opportunity to do this, that, and the other thing. And, and going in with me, you know, me and Chris, we had gig after gig. I mean, Chris was, you know, full-time DC fire, but there was a, there was a bunch of acting gigs I got him on. And, but for me, it was nice. just acting gig after AV gig, after live streaming gig, going to New Orleans, going to Florida, or, you know, acting gig. It was just gig after gig after gig. But we had, you know, some of our web series that we shot on a day off. And then it's like, when, am I, when the hell am I going to get around to editing this? Mm-hmm. But it had always been my goal. Ever since I met Melissa, I said, okay, you know, I'm at, I'm at that stage now where I'm a professional actor. I'm a professional full-time freelancer. I'm getting the film gigs, I'm getting the commercials, I'm getting the acting gigs, I'm getting the live streaming gigs on location, live streaming gigs going here and there and, and setting up remote cameras and streaming it out and blah, blah, blah. But I want to have that set up. I want a studio in my basement. I, I, I always had the podcast. Me and Chris failed at this twice before. I've always had this idea to keep it going, have it set up in my basement, have a couple of cool guests over, you know, maybe... Two, maybe two people over a week, you know, and, and, and sit on a couch and I do a podcast or whatever. COVID gave me that opportunity to not only finish everything I had in the can and on the hard drives, but to set this up in the way that it's set up now and do this and do all those live streaming gigs. They're not on location anymore. They're kind of either hybrid or they're just all remote, all these doctors or tax experts or whatever, you know, legal experts coming on Zoom and we're doing that same conference. It's not at the Washington Conference Center anymore. It's not at the Baltimore Marriott anymore. It's just on Zoom. But now that I have that technical expertise, there was, must have been some hindsight, must have been some, you know, six cents pre-COVID to start getting that technical expertise, that skill set and that, and that setup, that physical setup in the basement because I knew I was going to want to spend more time at home. I knew we were going to have kids and come COVID hands on with the kid. Even when I'm doing a live stream that I'm not on camera, I would just have him on the lap. I'd have him in that little chest harness and he just, and he just, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm about to be there with you. I got, uh, <clears throat> uh, I got a wee baron on the way. So uh, it's, it's going to be the same thing. Like, you know, right here I'm editing. <laughs> yeah, I, had, I had him on that, that chest, that chest harness, that, that yeah. satchel. That you wrap, it's like a front, it's like not a backpack, but like a front pack. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I'm sitting here like live streaming, taking shots or or editing. 
Yeah. It was, I mean, and now he, he might be running around in the basement and if I'm editing or if I'm writing and my next goal is to get some screenplays out there and start writing. And if I can get a couple of screenplays produced, my plan is to maybe act in it or maybe direct it. But as the kids grow older, it just might just be spitting screenplays out from the basement. That's yeah. kind of not my next goal, but the goal after that. Yeah, I, it sounds like you as well as myself are, are, um, are some of the f few people that actually benefited from COVID. I mean, there's a ton yeah. of people who didn't, but I was able to go fully freelance. Yeah, It gave me that mind to like hey you know you're not bad at video editing you've been doing bug out boys for a couple years now put shingle out and now things are twisted or uh turned around in a good way for me and then it sounds like you know for you it gave you that opportunity so it's it's definitely shows like people that took they took a lemon <laughs> and they made lemonade made lemon slushies in, in, I yeah mean, man in i mean a little, i mean a little, little bit of vodka in there yeah <laughs> And I, and I know Chris, you know, Chris churned out track after track after track. Chris was, even me and Chris were experimenting with live streaming him DJing. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot, of, and, and, you know, I want to continue doing that. There's a, there's a lot to continue with that. And there's a lot to fix on that. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we, it was just experiment after experiment. I mean, we're putting something out and that's, and that's a, that's something that a lot of folks are afraid to do is just put something out there. I mean, it's put it out there and it's also difficulty. Yeah. Technical difficulty. And it's, and so, okay. The joke is I would have a, you know, uh, sorry for the technical difficulties thing and some goofy music and some, some funny, funny technical difficulty graphics with it. And then our, our whole show was based on that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. That's Chris, what, I mean, I've I've never done live stuff. I I wouldn't even know where to where where to begin with it. It's I always find it pretty pretty cool that people are doing stuff live. Uh, you know, with multiple cameras or just one camera, and you're relying on signals, whether they be Wi-Fi or LAN. Like I did a live comedy show, which was pretty cool. Like ex, ex, like when curve COVID first happened, mm -hmm. I was like. You know, set it up in my studio and had a background and and just like um, a stand-up mic, you know. Um, I mean, that's that's super tough because you're basing a lot of your jokes or, or how people are laughing um, if because you can't hear them laugh. Right. Yeah. You just, so, I mean, for comedians, I mean, if, as a musician during COVID, we did a couple basement sessions where we played in the basement and we had our like we did the facebook live so people were able to like comment and chat and you could see yeah. people like put in requests and stuff like that but as a musician you're just playing you're not really i mean i do feed off of the audience when i'm there but it's uh you, you just play and you finish a song you go to the next song but a, a comedian uh i always thought like wow like you, you tell that joke and there, there's no roaring of laughter to tell you that you hit your mark and continue with this vein of, of, of jokes or did it fall flat and you need to change? Like it's, uh, I mean, that's, that was, I mean, super awesome that you, that you did that. I mean, how did it, um, so, play so, out? so how, how I, how I started this idea was, you know, I had to get the setup first and get the right, you know, I wanted to make 
make it as professional as possible. You know, good lighting, good audio. Um, so I had, I had a speaker, you know, a, a powered speaker is what I was operating on. You know, just like I was at a live show, you know, my microphone was coming out of the, the, the speaker um, that was self-powered. So make sure I had the background set up, make sure I had, um, you know, a good shot too at setting up the camera. I also had a steady cam to, to make sure I got a really good shot with that. Um, so then like I came up with a script, you know, some jokes that I've been working on in the past. Um, and then I also like held up a sign just to kind of like an icebreaker, like this show has been canceled, you know, due to COVID-19. You know, I hold up a, a whiteboard and I did it with a magic marker. And so I held up that at first and then I, and I came out, it was like psycho boo boo. <laughs> and then like I started going on with my show, you know? And then like I, I broadcasted it live on, on IG Live. It was IG I, think, Live. I think we, we streamed on some other platforms, but then I promoted it. I did like a TikTok video on to promote this thing and kind of got like the crowd you know hyped up about it because it was something brand new you know nobody was doing this 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 live show I mean, it's like, tough. This, this live comedy show virtually like on, it was on ig live it, it was it was something brand new that nobody was was used to because everything was shut down the comedy shows were shut down so i was doing this straight inside of inside of my residence so I thought that was pretty cool. And then like uh, a lot of my friends tuned in and, and different people and coworkers and everybody that I promoted uh, the video to. Um, so like Glenn kind of critiqued me and said, hey, here's the things that have popped, you know, from your show. Uh, here's all the, cause I, you could, you could go back well, and, and look at it. Well, me and my, yeah, me, me and Melissa, my wife, we watched him. And if I laughed at something, I would take a note of it. If she laughed at something, she would take a note of it. So we had no notes, but no, nah, I'm just fucking. Um, we had we had we had a number <laughs> of notes, um, you know, because there was a bunch of funny stuff. But then, you know, I kind of took a note of what people were commenting on, and there was a couple of notes based on that, and that's tricky. And so, the the beauty of YouTube. So if you were if if you know in the future if we were to do this to YouTube live, you know, do a comedy show live on YouTube, and if it's live, live, people will comment live, and then you can go back and you can watch it, and you'll see those comments as they came in, minute of when it was truly live. Probably like Facebook Live does that too, and I think Facebook Live does that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and. And that's where you can go back. But then who's got time for that? That's why you got to have that assistant. You got to have that editor or that assistant to pull all the funny jokes out of the whole set or pull the highlights or pull whatever, you know. And it, but but, you know, just for the sake of it, like, like, you know, Gabriel, I think, was three months old. He was still in the bassinet. Me and the wife sat down, had a cocktail and, and like watched your show. And then when that ended, you know, we had we just watched something else on Netflix. But we watched your show on IG and I just sat there with a notepad. Shit that I thought was funny, shit that she thought was funny. But the only thing that I, I, I thought about the show, like doing it that way, is that the, the, the camera was just picking up the audio, you know? It, it wasn't yeah. like as crisp as like going to like a live show, you know, because you have ears, the, you know, the, the you right have there. Ears. You it's, have and ears. it's not picking up through 
uh, through a camera mic. You know right. So that was the trick. That was um, the trick was the, was the audio signal. Because but now, now, like, I upgraded my equipment. So since then, yeah. so I have, like, a boom mic attached to my iPhone now that's, the, like, CRISPR audio. I was like, how can I get this uh, better the next time? And I also use it for – it's right here. I'll show it to you. So this microphone right here is a boom mic. Is it a Rode? Oh, no. Okay. So you, so you, you put the iPhone in here, in this slot right here. And then you you hook it in, um, just like yeah. that. You know? I mean, it's it's crazy what you can do with phones, but like I, I kind of feel that there needs to be some sort of, especially with like you know your vloggers and you know your live stuff. That as as nice as phones are, because um, I get a lot of content to edit that are phones. Mm -hmm. um, what bothers the heck out of me is that someone will have a couple of phones running so you get your multiple angles and that's great and dandy now mind you this is not live they're just recording yeah but i don't know if you can or if they just don't take the time i'd have to research um first of all if they're if they're different models of cameras that's a pain and then also they don't go in and cameras you know even this guy right here that i'm using i noticed yours as well uh chris um the white balance is constantly changing flickering yeah and yeah it's either flickering or you know it's it's good making it a little bit warm it's making it a little bit cool because you know the sun came out or because whatever is in frame is a little dark and all those things are adjusting so when you're switching from different angles or whatever or even in, if you're on this one shot and it and all of a sudden the it goes really cyan for whatever reason or magenta it's very annoying because i don't even i don't know again i haven't researched if you could go into an iphone and and then you know have it and then click a button and that's your your white balance and now that's it it never auto adjusts and then this is your f-stop and it yeah. never adjusts i think it'd be really awesome and i don't know if anybody would ever do it is have a camera that has the manual adjustments now i'm not saying like a red like that level but like something in between that has the professional camera adjustments like your f-stops and your uh your white balance and uh things like that but has the live streaming capability because the reason everybody's using these phones is because they have wi-fi bluetooth and of course cellular signal connected to them so they're immediately able to to transmit strong signals to the net well if you had a really nice mirrorless camera I, I don't know like like a, a rebel or something like that i don't know that has the mm -hmm. same bluetooth wireless phone capabilities the same transmitting capabilities you could still put a really good uh, it would have a way better input for your microphones um not just that quarter inch or not uh that's like probably a 16th inch jack or whatever um and the uh, subsequent like lighting so you could do these shots with a really good lens with uh and not have the problems of constantly having you know your white balance and your color changing uh in these shots i think if a company would go that route not as expensive as a red obviously um and but I, that would i would love to see that because it just as an editor um 
having that constant change uh, is is difficult when you're cutting from from scene to scene. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I went off on the topic. I just because no, your your, sc- yeah. your your screen, I, mean, I, I keep keep on seeing your screen, Chris, and it's like going like it'll, it'll be perfect, and then I don't know what you have running in the background that's switching your temperatures. Even I just saw mine do it right now, and it's like oh, just <laughs> stop it. Stop it. <laughs> My alarm keeps going off. So, you know, that's that's another thing. You got to like turn off your alarms and make sure your show's professional. You know? oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like put your phone on silent on during the shoots. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think we got Taj that came back. Let me see if I. Uh, Did he get back? Did he survive the the tornado? Let's let's see. If he can turn on his. Uh, I'll ask. See if I can. I don't know. Did he? Is he back? Well, he, it looks like he's in the call. So let's see. Ask to start video. Where's he at? I don't know if you can hear me, but. Or maybe maybe he's just stuck in the Zoom call because he had to bounce. Yeah. I, I mean, his little That's picture a... up there never left. Oh, it never left? All right. Nah. So, so he's probably hunkering down in the basement. Yeah. All right. We'll keep him safe. Well, listen. <laughs> yeah, man. Guys, at this point, this is like the little fun part. This is a little additional thing that I like to do on the show. So uh, bear with me one second. Let me see if I got to uh, hunt, hunt down all these. Because everybody uses different freaking uh, – some people use Facebook Messenger. Some people use LinkedIn Messenger. Some people use emails. Hey, you said email, so I gave you an Oh, email. did you email? Okay, great. Yeah, you said uh, send me an email. So I was like, all right, I'll send you an email right. because I was, I was thinking about, like, I'll just use Messenger. But, nope, you said email. I gave you an email. <laughs> Yeah, I follow directions. Uh, <laughs> awesome, awesome. That's what I'm talking about. All right, so I'll do I'll do the I'll do the best. Uh, I'll do you know, I'll try to sort these out the best I can. Let's see here. Uh, you know, it's always like a cop. I always end up with a cop. All right, you know, this is what we'll do. This is what we'll do. All right, so. I got a character here, a man in his 60s, overweight due to good living. He is a leader in a state senate, loves to eat and drink, is well respected by the press, follow legislators, all of whom consider him to be their intellectual inferior. His only real friends are well-heeled lobbyists. All right, so that's a character. And we got a location is Alaska. So maybe he's he's like an Alaskan Senate senator. Let's see, is that a look? And then object. Object. What the fuck? And see, we're 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 getting too close to. Uh, I hope I did it right. <laughs> oh yeah, no, you did it right. You did it perfect. You did it perfect. But I have other ones. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not. No, I, I'm sure you have. You, you have at least you know three other ones. Yeah. One from Taj and one from Chris. Yeah. And mine. I didn't get one from Chris, so I'm making up. <gasps> I'm making up for Chris. Yeah, I've been thinking about um, a lot of like I love heist movies, so that's one of the things. I knew I, I knew, your, I, knew your, I knew your conflict was going to be that heist. I just knew yeah. it because that heist was in the news. That, now, now that that brings me up, man, I wanted to talk to you about this uh, yesterday. You know, what's your all-time favorite heist movie? Me or Johnny? 
both of you guys, your all-time favorite heist movie. Heist movie. I mean, I think you know what mine is. It's Heat with De Niro and Pacino. It's one of the greatest heist movies ever made. One of the greatest greatest movies ever made, in my opinion. But hmm. that's just me. I know it's hard to think about all the all the different movies that yeah. it's been like, um, you know, your cat burglars and you know your your car thieves and your bank robbers. Yeah, I mean, I guess one heist movie that I know that I've watched repeatedly, and it's and it's partially because I'm a car nut, was Gone in sixty seconds. I just that was a good one. Yeah, I mean, I, I the I, Nick Cage one or the original. The Nick Cage one. That's the one that I, I never saw one. the original. Um, I think I liked it just because I love the cars. The music was fun. Um, I am a Nick Cage fan, whether he goes crazy or not. Um, yeah, I just kind of liked that idea. It it wasn't your heist people mm-hmm. um, were like cool, down to earth, and it was different. You weren't robbing a bank. Or hacking into a system, you know, you're, you're you're boosting cars, and I thought that was I thought that was that that probably be the the one that I've definitely watched repeatedly. Um, there's some other ones that I can that pop in the mind that are fun, but I know that I watched Gone Sixty Seconds multiple times. Okay. So since I know Chris is so adamant about these heists, we'll make, we'll make our heist movie. It's a 60-year-old senator, right? He thinks he, everyone below him is his inferior. He's a 60-year-old senator in Alaska. So an Alaskan heist that deals with... That deals with a tomahawk... We'll go with that tomahawk idea, <laughs> like, like, like an ancient, like an ancient tomahawk. I mean, did, did, did the uh, did the Alaska did the? Uh, I thought you were talking about like a like a tomahawk missile. <laughs> okay, like like heisting a, a tomahawk. But Johnny, missile. you were you were talking about like a tomahawk tomahawk. Yeah, right? I was talking about the actual handheld. Uh, and, they, and they had those in Alaska. The uh, the uh, the Eskimos use tomahawks. Uh, I don't know if, I mean, no, I mean the Athabascans and the Clinkets, the different uh, native. Um, Native Americans that were up there. I don't know if they had tomahawks as we think of them. Uh, they had the the ulu, which is one of their more ancient uh, tools that they had. Um, but I mean, just because it's in Alaska doesn't mean it has to be an Alaskan tomahawk. It could be from if you're Somehow going with out there. If you, I mean, right, it could be from anywhere in America, and it's just a really valued tomahawk that has somehow ended up in Alaska. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking of uh, when you said that the tomahawk. You know, it has a significant value. You know, yeah. where where it would be appealing for somebody to try to steal it. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, I don't know um, uh, uh, the last Mohicans tomahawk. You know, something like something of a. Uh, of an archaeological historical value, uh, which is actually kind of interesting that the the tomahawks that we think of today are actually because of the sailors that first came over, and they brought something from a different. They didn't. They brought it over from so not America the, or something. The, so the Native Americans had tomahawks, but what they called a tomahawk, but it was a stick with a stone in it. Mm-hmm. 
um, the tomahawk that we think of now with like, you know, your peace pipes and stuff like that with the metal axe head and the, the shaft going through it, that came because if you look at a ship boarding axe, mm -hmm. that sailor, like every sailor had these because they were used to cut lines when your sails were falling off the side and aboard ships, they have the, the, the same uh, beard and the spike on the end because they were used for boarding parties and also a utility tool. Well, you had these sailors that were coming to the, the new land the new world and you had they were meeting the native americans it was and the native americans hadn't really gotten into steel yet or iron it was a tool to them to the sailors that's like i don't know this thing's cheap this thing's worth right nothing to me and i give it to a native american and you give me like 80 pel pelts of beaver fur mm -hmm. that's worth a lot so that's how that transition from what we think of a tomahawk you know with the patriot and with um uh, the, the movie Last of the Mohicans, that's how that came about. It was the trading of sailors with their boarding axes to the Native Americans that created the tomahawk that we think of now. A little history lesson right there. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great, man. It is crazy how, like, you know, you talk about the tomahawk now, like, they have all these axe-throwing places that you can go and throw axes. Oh, those are so much fun. Uh, so I think that that's pretty cool. That there's so know. much. Highly recommend if you haven't gone to one. They're so much fun. That that first time that you sink that that hatchet or tomahawk, whatever they're offering at their, mm -hmm. the first time you do it, you just you're just you feel <laughs> <laughs> all of that is warrior and and manly and. Yeah, I did it at the Rena the Renaissance Festival in Maryland. Well, that's that the one where you cool. have to wear the helmet right you do both hands over top right i didn't have to wear a helmet oh, okay I just, did it. I just did it uh straight up gotcha because the one up here in um harford county uh crabby axe you can just throw one-handed if you want and it's a lot it's it's so much fun so we got the so senator we got a, so we got a 60 year old senator in alaska okay and there's a heist that surrounds an ancient tomahawk and an ancient Bible that's in a different language. And an ancient Bible and an ancient tomahawk? Like these two artifacts. A tomahawk. Okay. And I don't know. <clears throat> so like there's significance. Maybe maybe it's like uh, proof that Mormonism is a fraud or something. I don't know. I don't want to dump on Mormons, but, <laughs> but who does uh, I don't know. The, I mean, the, the, the Bible could be... Could, it, I mean, it's if in you a different connect... language. It's like in Sanskrit or it's in Latin or something. Mm -hmm. And it's a more ancient Bible. It's because maybe maybe the scheme is it says something different than the New King's New King James version, and and like there's discrepancies and it. it the, the book could be probably made out of gold. I don't know. Or the the, the, co the cover is made out of the gold. cover. Yeah, the cover would be made out of gold. It's yeah, but it's it's hidden. It's like locked away in some sort of uh, military installation. The senator, the senator's in charge of protecting it, or and there's another group trying to steal it. Well, I don't know. If you say the senator is this old guy and he thinks everybody's lower than him, and just you know, it might be cliche, but 
he's a politician. He's probably the one trying to steal it, not the one trying to protect it. Well, he's trying to protect it because he's has control over it. Maybe that's what's oh, he already owns power. it. He already owns it. Maybe that's maybe that's what gives him his power, like gives him his authority. Well, um, if we're playing with mystical, if we're playing with mystical and supernatural stuff here, yeah. I mean, if you're doing mystical, then yeah, maybe, we can do whatever. Um, uh, it's, so I guess the the first thing is is the senator the antagonist? Is he being stolen from, or is he the protagonist trying to get it from somebody Isn't else? Isn't the senator always the bad guy? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, I mean, typically the 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 politician is typically the bad guy. I, I can't really think of that. Would be wouldn't that be the goof though? Like this this sixty year old white senator who's overweight and comes off like a jerk is actually protecting this stuff from like outside forces. Now there's maybe there's this group of younger misfits that want to steal it because they don't truly understand you know like uh there could be uh there could be a war with the gods and goddesses a lot you know you, know, you ever seen cabin in the woods where like yeah. this group you thought those gr that group was bad and really they were running this whole thing to keep the gods and goddesses the titans oh yeah head. that was such a fun movie yeah 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 and it's like, are they were they really the bad guys, or were they like just unfortunately they had to sacrifice some kids to keep these yeah, titans? The, what at was bay. it? The 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 jock, the 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 the, the whore, the the intellectual or something. Yeah, they had to had to have these, and they and and they were saying it's every year it's getting harder to find these certain uh, archetypes <laughs> because, <laughs> because the eighties are over. Because the '80s right. and '90s are over, and it's like right. 20, 2010s. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, I mean, so if this guy is overweight, though, he's not gonna be the one actively stealing it. No. And he's, and, and he's, he's also not gonna be the one actively protecting it because he's in charge of protecting it. Though he's right. probably running the facility. So he's running a facility, and and let's add, you know, let's because I actually had this on here, I think, from Chris actually a while ago. The gods are all gathered for the ultimate battle, the goddesses versus the gods. And then there's a group of misfit thieves, you know, anarchists uh, uh, that want to steal, steal these artifacts. And so that they're not hidden, they, they, you know, like, oh, it's, oh, it's this ancient tomahawk that this, uh, you know, this, this tribe wants back. And it's this ancient Bible that, uh, that this group in, in Italy maybe wants back and they're like, we're going to steal it. Senator's like, can't let that happen. The, f the first half they're trying to steal it. And then the second half you realize what these artifacts are protecting us from, like some sort of gods and goddesses battle. What if the, the top, well, okay. So the Tomahawk would naturally represent more of your native American, you know, mother earth uh, idea of, of super supernatural beings, and then the Bible would would represent your more Christian. So I mean, uh, your your Christianity. If it's a Bible, not you know a Quran, or if it's a Bible, that's going to represent your your uh, Christian um, gods or God. There's only one um, that we know. I of. was yeah that we know of, uh, that was stereotypically using in in, in script writing. Um, I was also thinking like. So that's maybe 
these are connected and that this keeps a balance between sure. Mother Earth. I was also thinking that what if the tomahawk is a key to unlocking the Bible? There's an actual key, like a physical key? Yeah, yeah. like like the, the tomahawk either writing on it, like there could be writing on the on the, the heft or the shaft. Or oh, on, so it's a code, it's the decipher code for... Could be, or like literally you put the beard of the, like the bladed part of the tomahawk into like the spine of the Bible and that's what unlocks it. Like you don't even, the only person that know what's in the Bible is let's say the senator. Um, and because of that, um, he's able, able to keep his power or keep the peace. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Uh, and it's and then maybe at that way, it's showing you that that both the um, that there's there's a connection between your Mother Earth, so to speak, and God. Like maybe they're all one, but finding out that they're all one would cause calamity for some reason or i don't know i was just spitballing yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, so okay so it's a physical key and but then there's coding maybe on the blade maybe on the handle mm -hmm. that deciphers some passages mm -hmm. and then once these misfits get in there and like you know you know that you know that old saying i'm gonna send i'm, I'm gonna have i'm gonna send you to a you know, there's this old saying in the military, you know, you keep screwing up and I'm going to send you to some base in the middle of, in the middle of Alaska operating a radio tower or something. And then that's what turns out. It's like the it's like the most important job. And you're stuck on this post guarding yeah. this guarding this. Uh, safe, this vault, this vault with these two items in it. <clears throat> no one's figured out how they connect. Ooh, what if the what if the tomahawk has a code on it or whatever that helps decipher passages that's in the Bible that lead you to uh, something very powerful, like the Ark of the Covenant, or maybe leads you to a, a, a I don't want to really go natural treasure, but you know, like a huge. That's fine. Let's do that. Boon hey. of. What did you say, Chris? No, that's what I was thinking of. That's the first thing that came to my mind was like national treasure, um, especially where when they're like going through booby traps and and so forth. Like, like well, that could like, be like that could be a sequel. Is like something like that. But like this whole movie is designed around the heist. This heist. Like the um, first half of this movie is this heist. Then the second half is like coming to the realization that he's not this evil senator. He's like a guardian. He read it. It probably, you know, messed with his mind a little bit. Now he's stuck being this guardian. He's not just some white, uh, he's not just some uh, white collared, you know, fat cat on Capitol Hill. Like he's a little bit more than that. And he's been doing it for a while. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, he's been sitting here guarding this thing. Well, he's, he's not the one guarding it up in Alaska, but he's maybe keeping that installation fairly secret. Yeah. He's, he's guarding a, it. So maybe he's guarding it. Right. Of course. So he's a senator. So obviously he has to go to, to the house and, and, right. and like appear there and, and ask and, and, and work all this, that and the other thing. And, and everything that he's been trying to work on at the, at this house and at the Capitol inadvertently is keeping this place secret and funded. Right. 
Right. So that's why you said like he didn't. Did you say something like that with the lobbyists? He's good with some lobbyists or whatever. Like yep. so maybe that's why he's not having them put a pipeline in a certain area or drilling in a certain area in Alaska because it's right by the installation <clears throat> that he doesn't want to be. Or vice versa. If it's it's a <clears throat> reverse psychology, so he is doing that. So that there's workers there and there's infrastructure there and people aren't paying attention right. to this underground vault. They're paying attention to the, the oil pipeline. refinery. The, the, right. They're paying attention to the refinery and, and, and the jobs and the infrastructure and, and the homes. And, and, you know, like when you put infrastructure there, then you, then you build homes. And then he can make money that he can find into continuing to keep this insulation secret. Going back into the insulation. Yeah, that could and be not. And then, like, you know, these misfits, it could be locals, it could be Alaskan locals, you know, Eskimo and, and, and white alike. Well, it could be... Um, or whatever. It, it could be... So if, he, if we go off of this, you know, he's trying to put this pipeline in or this oil refinery or uh, something like that in Alaska, and it's funding, maybe these are eco-terrorists, where, or not so terrorists, but they are trying to stop this. And then by trying to stop it, they stumble upon this uh, this installation or this vault. And then uh, curiosity gets the better. Maybe, I don't know, curiosity yeah. gets the better of them. And these kids are smart. Yeah, they've been doing this for a while. The kids are, yeah, these misfits, these, these eco-terrorists are smart. And they're the ones that, that are able to figure out the, the, how to unlock it. Yeah. Like he would, maybe he maybe he wasn't able to, like he, maybe he maybe the senator wasn't able to, but they are, yeah. And then they unleash the gods or goddesses or the powers that that this thing is. And actually, and what you could have is that whoever the you know the the guy who's been sent to Alaska because he's you know this is his job because he's 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 fucked up enough in uh in uh the military. Um. Uh, that he's been sent there, and so he's he's not the guy that you would pick out to be a hero. Maybe he's the the one that after the misfits, you know, take this thing and figure it out, and it starts causing calamity of some sort, or or it's a a, a lot of treasure, or so whatever. Um, he's the one that is the main person either trying to stop them or track them down. You could even go as far as killing off the senator because he's old and and 60 and fat that they that, that switches that, you know, he, he could get knocked out at the end. And you then... Said, and so who, who did you say was the... the... So the guard. The, the, the guard that's been... There's a guard that's been there. Yeah, you're gonna have to have yeah. somebody manning this this vault, this installation. Yep. That you're gonna have the eyes on. You're not gonna rely on a team of guards. And yeah, maybe, but, but he's the lead. But he's like he's the lead guard. He's there. he's the lead, and you can either go with the stereotypical he's the bad apple that turns good, or you could go with he is the he's never done. He's not the uh, he's oh, what's the word that will look. And this for? guy and this guy's a little bit younger, right? Like forty. Yeah, I mean, he, so I mean he he could be 40 or he could even be, you know, super young that he has just been a total screw up geek 
guy and throughout the either uh, he, he starts falling into his own because if you just make him a um, this sort of jerk badass right from the beginning people are going to be like well he's the one that's going to save the day but if right. you kind of like slip him in there as being more of a I don't know more of a nerd or yeah. something like that that um, kind of like a coming of age so to speak that I don't know, maybe. So let's cast him. Who do you think the 60-year-old senator should be? 60? Slightly overweight to overweight? What do you got, Chris? Casting. Let's cast. I know you know all these actors. 60-year-old guy overweight? Slightly overweight to overweight, yeah. You can definitely do a fat suit like Ron Grossman with Tom Cruise <laughs> Ron Grossman. So it's, you don't even have to really worry about Actually, I mean, yeah. I mean, let's say uh, John Travolta. That would be John, perfect. John Travolta, John Travolta as the senator. Yeah, that would be perfect. Okay. Right. He looks, yeah. yeah, he looks slimy enough, and he can get definitely get pudgy. He is always in shape. That dude is always in shape, but he would look great in a fat suit. Yeah. Uh, and then our and then our uh, guard. So I, uh, you're, except for it's kind of been, um, uh, the guy from the new series, um, Jack Ryan. Krasinski? Yeah, Krasinski maybe, or. I like Krasinski. You know that? Yeah, we'll or, see that, John Krasinski. I like that, I like that. that. I mean, that, all right, that's something. That's something, I'm picturing it in my head. I like that, man. That, that's That's fun stuff. You have to, but now you got to come up with your eco terrorist, or at least the. Oh, it'll be some of those young actors. I don't know those Disney fucking actors. Well, you're gonna, you're definitely gonna need like some someone really. Oh, there he is. Really good to like bring in to to be that antagonist that either a figures out how to use the the tomahawk and the and the Bible, and figures out what it is to use it either for nefarious reasons. Uh, or you just have them just be dim-witted and they don't know they're opening up the gates to the apocalypse. Right. Yeah, they did Well, yeah. You know, I'm not saying all eco-terrorists are dim-witted, but... That's what I'm saying. If you have someone like... Maybe some of them are or, or whatnot, but you got that one that is giving Travolta and Krasinski a run for their money of constantly, like, playing catch-up and... And, um... I don't know, you'd have to have a, a decent villain. Kind of like how you had Nick Cage versus uh, Sean Bean. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. doesn't okay. even have to be, like, super evil. Like, Sean Bean, in, in that, in, at least in National Treasure, he wasn't, like, super evil. He was just a guy that wanted... He was just doing, he was just doing the same thing Nick Cage was, just right. a little bit rougher. Yeah, a little bit rougher, a little, little bit more cutthroat. So, obviously, if this guy is... Uh, leader of an eco-terrorist, he's going to be a little bit more shady, a little bit more cutthroat. So find someone that you kind of want to like. Like, who doesn't like Sean Bean? But has the ability to just be a little bit darker or edgier. Absolutely. Or he gets corrupted by what he reads in the the Bible. Could be. I mean, 
it could be like uh, it could be a lot like uh the holy grail uh the last crusade the holy grail if you read some of these passages it's gonna like expose your true nature and so you know travolta may have read it and he locked it up and truly he was a good guy and he did a lot of lobbying but he was truly a good guy and maybe krasinski reads it but one of these eco-terrorists reads it and it drives one of them mad and makes them but 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 by reading it krasinski's true nature is is exposed as a good guy or something like that i don't know taj well, listen, guys, th this was fun. Th this was awesome. Taj, you I'm so glad you're safe. You had to hunker down into the, into the storm shelter. Yeah. <laughs> into the bunker. <laughs> down, the, down the bunker. Well, listen, uh, Taj, I'm, I'm glad you came back. We're just about that time, but... Uh, no problem. But it's all good, man. It's all good. Yeah. We'll, have you, we'll have you back on. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but, but how are things? So you, are you, uh, Taj, real quick, you back on set? Are you working? I'm trying to get back on set now. Well, there's an there's a HBO show uh with uh i think i think john bernthal coming to baltimore where they're filming in baltimore right now we own the city yeah yeah and I'm, i've been trying to get an extra thing on that and see if i can get a pa gig or something out of that as well okay um and a few other things are filming some stuff in dc soon that i'm also got my eye on so yeah I'm, I'm trying to get out there otherwise uh yeah av stuff i got a i'm working a uh, outdoor film like screening next week i think oh so. yeah that'll be Hell fun yeah. well hey taj don't worry about it, man we'll have you we'll have you back on man i'm, I'm glad you're well, safe I'm, I'm, I'm glad no no structural damage or or nah, personal good. bodily harm yeah. over there man so it sounded glad. fun it sounded fun that when i when i when i came in <laughs> this yeah. yeah crazy movie just experimenting with some stuff. Well, yeah. well, guys, it was a blast having you on, and uh, you know, uh, we're just about at that time. So everybody's socials, links, and plugs will be in the description below. Bug Out Boys, We Own the City, Zombie Squad, Two Eleven, DeadOnPictures.com. Guys, don't go anywhere, and uh, we'll we'll chat a little bit off.